Down the stairway to the stars. The cavern. Two white painted words curving above a doorway in a Liverpool back street that struck me as one of the most drab and easily forgettable places I had ever laid eyes on. Yet this was the setting of what was to become an icon, as far famed and instantly associated with Britain as the Tower of Big Ben itself. Pasted over the graffiti on a brick wall beside the doorway, a poster announced, Tonight, the Clyde Valley Stompers, Scotland's number one jazz band, with support group, 8pm, admission, six shillings. Where do you think you're going, Skin? The bruiser guarding the door grunted. I was the only other living soul in the street, so I knew he had to be talking to me. I nodded at the poster. I'm with the band. Oh, yeah? What one? The Clyde Valley Stompers. He glowered at me with a look that left me in no doubt that he considered himself king of the alley. However humble his domain, he was ready, itching even, to defend it. Honest, I'm the clarinet player, I said, with as much self-assurance as I could muster. And, er, uh, the leader, as well, actually. His frown deepened. Yeah, and I'm a majesty of the bleeding queen. Fair enough, I came back, trying not to appear too coward. You can check with the rest of the boys. They're in there, setting up. Where you been, then? I hooked my thumb over my shoulder. Park in the bandwagon. You're the roadie, then? Nah, we don't have one. I do the driving. But just says you was the band leader. This conversation was going nowhere, and neither, apparently, was I. The gorilla's brows lowered still further as his eyes wandered down my right arm. Where you got in your handbag? I was sorely tempted to a voice disapproval at having my faux snake-skin instrument case so unjustly demeaned, but my teeth were a vital part of my stock in trade, so I kept them clenched. I opened the case to reveal the matching pair of Selma Paris clarinets nestling in velvet-lined luxury within. They'd been hard-earned, and were my pride and joy. A sneer tugged at the corner of the bouncer's mouth. See yourself as some kind of jock version of Acker Bleeding Bilk, do you? I thought it prudent to reply with a non-committal shrug. A few tense moments ticked by. All right, then, the bruiser finally growled. He shuffled aside from the door. Get in. The next time you come out, get a fucking bus. All right? If the attitude of the doorman had seemed a mite chilly, the same most certainly could not be said for the reception afforded us by the jiving mass crammed into the club that night. The sixties were now getting properly underway, and the young folk of Liverpool were set to make them swing with a vengeance. The cavern, originally a jazz club when it opened in 1957, had yielded to skiffle during the height of the washboard and tea-chest craze, but was enthusiastically promoting jazz once again. Now, whenever one of the top bands was on tour in the northwest of England, 
Sunday night to the cavern had become an automatic fixture. Although this policy was soon to be swept away by the biggest sea change ever in popular music, no one could have foreseen that the reason would be a global eruption in the popularity of a bunch of young Liverpudlians who'd cut their musical teeth playing interval spots for jazz bands. Many of these beat groups, as fledgling rockers like the Beatles were referred to at the time, had started out playing skiffle themselves. This two- and three-chord derivation of primitive American folk, gospel and blues was first popularised in Britain by splinter groups set up within, ironically, trad jazz outfits. The prime mover had been Lonnie Donegan, banjoist in the Chris Barber band, who, switching to acoustic guitar, would lead his fellow rhythm section members in an interlude of novelty vocal.